0: Not that
1: I noticed from what I'm hearing.
0: Okay, because for some reason my mic was working before, but now it's not. And I think none of these US because it says it's on, but it's not when they use it.
1: It's so weird how that, like... (laughs) And And last time it was me having the problem and you were fine, right? Yeah.
0: And without rebooting the computer, we're just going to go with my AirPods.
1: <laughs> you know, so you, you don't have a big, big phallic uh, microphone in front of your face. That's not fair. I object.
0: Well, you know, I can keep it there just so you don't feel out of place.
1: that, thank, thank you. I don't want to be, I don't want to be the only phallic asshole. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna end it before I go any further. party on sal
0: rock on rock on well welcome back podcasters to another episode of the party on john cast a podcast of uh two johns we talk about theology music whatever we're drinking usually coffee or sometimes other stuff Hmm. uh and just various topics most righteous topics uh, I'm Reverend Sal Sorocco, uh, the uh, teaching elder in the Presbyterian Church USA in the validated ministry of hospice chaplaincy.
1: And I am the Rock and Reverend Todd Laddick, uh, who uh, is a uh, an ordained elder in the United Methodist Church of Greater New Jersey, serving in a uh, serving a congregation in uh, Newton, New Jersey. Uh which is occasionally now on higher ground from Sal, uh, though Sal now definitely has a more
0: Calvinistic beard. I do. I do. with uh sometimes <laughs> I give him the higher ground, but I don't try not to. Yeah. But I do I am. I'm even getting a little bushy. It is it is I think,
1: yeah, you're making up for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm making uh, up for it. Oh my goodness. Since uh, Todd has since shaved his beard.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, I, I I decided that um as manly and awesome of a beard as that was, uh, having it sheathed to behind a face mask while walking through Disney in in June the end of June, um seemed like maybe not a wise idea. I don't know. And and then, of course, I made the decision, went with it, shaved, had a blotchy uh, bl- vampire blood face for, you know, uh, half a week. And within that half a week, I got the news that Disney lifted uh, masks outside and you don't necessarily need to wear them. <laughs> I... <laughs> I could be worse.
0: (laughs) I'm sure your face will thank you in the nice Florida June weather.
1: I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it will. Yes. Um, I I, I was wondering how I was going to apply uh, sunscreen, which I I need. And I'm not going to let my bearded face fool me. Um, But where do you apply it? down there and how do you with with hair that's like longer than your head you know so anyway it was an interesting shave it took me longer to shave it than i thought it would <laughs> had, to, had to go in parts but you,
0: you, you did have the more um john calvin-esque reformed beard so
1: yes i was impressed Good. with the
0: beard i had had going so
1: yep. oh oh well Anyway, um oh, oh well. I think we introduced ourselves.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we did. We got into beards somehow. somehow. Oh, because you occasionally are on higher ground and yes. Calvinist beard. Yeah.
1: yeah, there we are. So so that brings us that brings us to our Hebrews segment.
0: Hebrews. Uh, hey Todd, how do you know that God loves coffee?
1: How, Sal?
0: He wrote about it in the book of Hebrews. It.
1: Oh, Sal, ha- yeah, how do you yes, know Tom. that God also loves a good cup of tea? How, Tom? Well, as it turns out, Hebrews it as well. <laughs> um, okay. So who's going? Which of us crazy guys is going first?
0: Uh, I'll go first because I've almost finished it. In the time it time the time it took us to talk about Oh be- God be- likes this coffee and <laughs> <laughs> our beards. Uh, okay. Um. So I'll go first. Um. 'Cause I'm almost done with it. It's uh just a uh, Tim Horton's coffee and it's actually decaf.
1: Oh, decaf.
0: <laughs> <De-quaf>, meow, meow. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, so <clears throat> got a little coffee for this episode. Um yeah, and I actually been trying to drink decaf just to be a little bit healthier. Um so Yeah. I still just- drink one cup of coffee a day, but decaf especially when we're recording this is,
1: is better so you're saying you don't like to stay up all night then
0: i don't
1: <laughs> that's, that's
0: fair that's enough not good for my blood pressure
1: fair enough i was gonna say i was gonna say like look at, i'm i'm just trying to manage my caffeine i'm trying to live healthy i'm trying to do the right thing and you just kick a brother down yes <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you just kick him down in his pain you know what? The funny thing is, you'll get the last laugh because I am not drinking decaf at all. And you'll be like in La La Land sleeping away, enjoying the night's sleep while I'm up like going, I don't know why I do this. <laughs> so, um, so you'll get the last laugh. It's all good. <laughs> good so you're so drinking yeah. Tim Tim, Tim Hortons Decaf. Decaf. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess that brings me to what I'm drinking. Um, it's going to be very hard to read, but this is... Uh, so, it's Plum Deluxe, which is a tea company that um, has has regular, like, tea, but then it also has blends and stuff like Tivana did, uh, though their prices are, are better. I have yet to drink them, so I don't know that the quality is better, but the prices were better. Um And so this one is Red Velvet Pure Dessert Tea, and I don't know how you pronounce that, but it's P-U-E-R-H, P-U-E-R-H, pure, Red Velvet Pure, Pure. Pure. Um, or poor, Red Velvet Pure Dessert Tea, I don't know, I'm butchering it either way, I'm sure, but uh, poor, if that's how it's pronounced, is a type of tea. So it has per tea, cocoa uh, peel, cocoa nib, beetroot pieces, uh, blackberry leaves, uh, chocolate essence, love, gratitude, has caffeine, steeping instructions. Uh, mine has been steeping for more than enough time uh and uh yeah so here it is uh plum deluxe tea red velvet per dessert tea and i will tell you right now what this there it is Sal. i'm drinking it in a nice little uh traditional uh teacup
0: tea cup. little, oh
1: oh wow no, that literally tastes Good. like red velvet cake.
0: So they mm. weren't
1: kidding. Yeah, it's wow. What a beautiful thing. Okay, so that's what I'm drinking. Uh, as you can see, Sal, I'm not in short supply. Um, I do like that teapot. You do like it, right? It's a it's a cool yeah. cool teapot. So, um, all right, well, that is our Hebrews segment on both sides of the brewing aisle. Um, uh, the hot brewing aisle anyway. Uh, okay. So anyway, um, yeah, I think that brings
0: us to our main topic.
1: It, it does. And, um, before we get into the topic itself, uh, those of you who are listening, um, where this is in May. Uh oh my goodness, we're almost to Memorial Day. This is this is the date's May 27th. We're going to date we're going to date this. So May 27th we are recording over some good tea and some conversation. Um and basically uh we're going to talk and when we're done talking, we're going to split this puppy in half. Oh that sounds really bad. The poor
0: dog. Why the dog?
1: Why the we're not dog? Advocating,
0: no. Why did you go there?
1: Oh, we are not God.
0: we are, we are not advocating the harm harming of animals.
1: No. Oh we're 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 um I was I was meaning by dog, of course, the ancient um the ancient Mesopotamian language of uh-huh. um that, that says uh Dog in the sense of, you know, a long dog-like looking worm that gets up into you, eats your stuff, and you die. That's the thing that we're splitting into, that dog.
0: Yeah. uh... (laughs) Okay. What are are, are those... uh... Where are those dogs at the end of Ghostbusters?
1: <laughs> yeah, they were at the, of, at the end of one or the beginning of another, <laughs> I'm sure. Oh, boy. Um, okay, so anyway, uh, needless to say, uh, this is going to span over um, a couple episodes. This is uh, the first part that we're, you're hearing right now, which is obviously for the month of June. Hello, June. We're almost here. And uh, then uh, the second part will be in July. So uh, just be mindful of that. But this is a conversation worth hearing, and you're going to get to hear it. Uh, so stick with us. So let's get into it. Um, can you believe, Sal, that we're going to be talking about race?
0: I feel like we've already talked about this. How, how do we solve this issue? Did we solve it already? Hmm.
1: Well, some would say we solved it. Hmm. Let me think on this. Who well, my thinking eyes? Oh, my thinking eyes are burning. Okay, um, <laughs> <it's 'cause laughs> you imagine what I was like as a kinder, as a kindergartner. Um. Okay, so race um, obviously racism is never it's not ending just because you know like there was justice for George Floyd's family doesn't mean there's justice overall like justice would be George Floyd not having to be dead you know his family not having to wrongly grieve um so uh, we've we've talked about this before all crazy jokes and laughter aside this isn't a laughing matter this is a a serious thing that um is plaguing our country and we need to continue to talk about it.
0: It's important to have a conversation because, um, you know, it's not something that we learned about in school because they, when they signed the, you know, the civil rights act in 64 or whatever. Well, that's when racism ended or, you know, 1970 after, you know, Martin Luther King Jr. and Malcolm X were killed. Oh, then it, then it was over after that. Um, No, it still is a present day thing. I think it's a lot easier, easily hidden nowadays. But yeah, it's there.
1: Yeah, and I I feel that since two thousand fifteen, I don't know whenever the whenever the the orange.
0: 2016. Ever, so,
1: ever since the Orange um, Gumby came down came down the escalator at the Trump Tower, you know, and, and, <laughs> and announced, you like that, the Orange Gumby, that, that works, right? Uh so, so, in his Golden Palace. In his Golden Palace. Whenever he came down his, his Golden Escalator to announce that he was running uh, to save us from rapists and, uh, you know, drug dealers. Um, Presumably coming from Canada, of <clears> course, because <throat> he was talking about up there, right? Of course. Um,
0: so, oh, I, no.
1: <laughs> there's no. There's no drug dealers. Yeah. There's no rapists in Canada. No. <laughs> only, only in the south. No. Only in the south. They all come up from the south. Only in the south. Yes. So, so
0: Canada is sending their best, but Mexico—they're not sending their best people.
1: No, not their best. Quote. <laughs> Maybe a few are okay. A few might be. A few may be okay. Um,
0: I, <laughs> um, so it's an issue that's really, really resurfaced. Since it, then.
1: it has. And 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 since 2016 and, or 15, whenever that time was, uh, it's gotten it, – I feel it's gotten more and more hard to hide. Like I, I feel like even with Barack Obama as president, President Obama – you saw he had challenges that he had to surmount that you knew nobody else would have to, it was because he was, he was black. But there was still that feeling like we have our first black president. We're moving forward. Racism is thing behind us. It's going to get better. And then the second that, that president Obama steps out of the office, it's, it's like, we, we didn't just go back five years we didn't just go back eight years or 10 years or 15 years. We're going back 50. Whoa. <laughs> you know? And it's like, um, yeah. And so that's, you know, that to me, like it has gotten worse and worse and worse and worse to the point where now um, if you're a racist, you don't have a problem coming out and saying I'm a racist. You just say, you say, well, yeah, you say I'm a racist, but you know, I don't think I'm a racist. I'm not a racist. What I believe is the American way. It's what all good Americans believe. You're the racist. <laughs> and that's how the conversation yeah. goes.
0: And then the racist. Yeah. as yeah. part of that yeah. <laughs> defense.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I say that with my pinky up.
0: <laughs> so I think we can tell is by the last couple episodes. We've, you know, we've touched on TV shows about it, some of the history of that. But it's it's not going to end. Even if in two months or so we go back to different topics, it's not going to. That doesn't mean the problem has gone away. So it's important to talk about and um, kind of show how um, the church can handle it. I think uh, we've kind of messed that one up i think because we're a big part of the of the history and being complacent in the history
1: yeah i think the church has yeah it it has played its nasty role so to speak it's also done some good things too um and and you know like the the history of the church is literally almost two thousand years old and um you know, in that long history, there's a lot of good that's been done. And then there are the shady periods as well. And um, sometimes they coexist, but the shady periods that we see ourselves existing in uh, right now um, is certainly, you know, certainly uh, scary, I think. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, needless to say, race, racism is just something that, that needs to, it needs to be addressed. The, 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 way the things just keep getting crazier and crazier, we need people of sound mind and sound heart to, to be willing to discuss this topic um, and not just be like we have in the past, like, like I was sharing, you know, like thinking, well, we've, you know, Barack Obama has been president. We're, we're moving forward. We're finally taking that next step. And it's like, well, for the very one step that we took the giant one step that we took forward, we took a a giant, you know, 50 steps backwards. So um, don't mind my dog. You'll hear her sharing her opinion. She's a dog of color and um, she's letting us know that, you know, it's, it's not easy, not easy. No. You're constantly being dissed. You know? You're being talked to like, you're a little cutie baby. Yes, you are. <laughs> How did we get there? <laughs> it just takes a dog barking. Anyway. A dog barking. Um, yeah. So, <clears throat> Well, I, I say we break this up into a couple pieces. Uh, I think we can uh, talk about... Um, how there are forces at, in play right now as we speak, wanting to push us back um, in terms of our education, in terms of our um, in terms of our historical uh, knowledge, in terms of our scientific knowledge, in terms of our our uh, medical benefits, in terms of our voting rights. Um, there are there are and all of this is is being done not for the good of 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 the whole um this is this is being done in order to keep the few that are in power um and keep everybody else in their in their perspective places i mean i mean am i am i wrong i think um
0: And this is not to say because, Todd, you know, I are are men who are of a certain color, who can live our lives and not worry about, am I going to be shot or you know, for a simple traffic stop? Um, It's not to say because we know and we're better because... We're clergy, and we're telling you this, and you have to listen um, because that's from a place of privilege. Um, We need to educate ourselves as much as we have to educate you and or our parishioners, and go from there. Yeah, and this Um, we we need to show that we're learning, so that they can learn. Um, We're not being woke or uh, anything else. It's just. We think it's important for us to be able to empathize, not only know the history, but to actually learn how to, or know how to empathize yeah. with people of color.
1: It's funny because uh, I, I noticed like <laughs> when you record, um, unless you look straight ahead at the white dot on your, like when you look down, it looks like you're sleeping. So, so when you said woke, I looked up, and I, saw, I saw like the beginning of my, and I'm like, I'm like, oh look, it looks like I'm waking up right now. I'm woke. I'm woke, everybody. I got woke. <laughs> anyway, I had to this is this is what happens when you spend a year working on Zoom. <laughs> you you you, yep. you fall into technology nerd uh, humor. Um, just like there are bad dad jokes, there are bad tech jokes too. Okay, so um, so Yeah, to me, this isn't political. Uh, People think it's political because it gets talked about by our politicians. And so, yes, to a degree, it is political. Uh, In fact, it's outright political. I'll say that. What I mean by it's not political is it's not partisan for me. This isn't a partisan issue. Yes, I understand that different parties have different sides. I'm not approaching this from either party. What I'm approaching this uh, from is the gospels okay what would what did jesus do how did jesus teach how did he command his disciples what did he command them to do did he make exceptions to those or was he clear you know we ask all of those questions and uh you get to you get to an answer that is biblically Sound, one would hope. Right? Like so G, G, um would Jesus want to keep people uneducated and ignorant so that they don't know the oppression that is being caused against other people? No, I you know, I don't think that Jesus would be cool with that kind of deception, you know. Like I think that's a pretty clear, simple question and answer. Um, so I think that's why it's important for us to talk about this. It's not about whether you're a Democrat or a Republican or what candidate you do or don't support. What it is about is taking your politics and putting them through the refining fire of the Bible and of Jesus Christ and seeing what what remains at the end and then voting on your conscience. I would never tell somebody who to vote for or what to vote or not vote. But I will question the things we're voting on. And I think it's important for us to look at how these things will affect people um, and have a discussion about that. And then, you know, at the end, um, you know, if you think that this is all bogus and that God, believe something differently, that's where you're at. We can't force people to believe what, what you can't, you know, we can't force people to believe anything, but we can point you to the Bible and say, that's great that you believe that. But the Bible says, you know, um, and we do that cautiously. Mm -hmm. We don't overuse the Bible says, I don't think, but, um, but the Bible does say. There was
0: a the Bible clearly says, um, clearly um, we have a <clears throat> I remember reading a, a, a statement and I liked the idea and I still use it as an example um, <clears throat> but when our polity changed around the issue of uh, same-sex marriage mm. um, the phrasing of how they changed the polity to allow for pe- basically giving pastors the if their conscience tells them not to do it, they don't have to do it. They're not being forced to do it by the church. That right, right. Uh, but but it was Jesus is the Jesus is the Lord of our conscience. Um, so that's how they framed it. So that if your conscience is telling you that this is not of something I can do, Jesus is the Lord of your conscience, and that's the only He's the only one your conscience is responsible to. So, yeah and essentially your conscience is gonna want you to do the right thing
1: oh yeah and and you and i both have um if that, make, if that makes sense it makes perfect sense and you and i both have had this discussion i i think that that's the graceful i know that there are people on both extremes people who want like everybody to accept all lgtbq gay you know uh, you know, I, a plus whatever. Um, uh, and yeah, I want everybody to be accepted too, but we know that, you know, that's going to require a hundred percent of all people in the world to agree on that. And there isn't ever been a time in human history where all hundred percent of humans agreed on something. I, I, maybe I'm wrong, but, but I, I, I'd be very shocked to find ever such a moment. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a matter of not forcing, not trying, not going out with the agenda of forcing people to, to, um, to believe what I want them to believe, but for them to legitly, like introspectively search within themselves in light of the Bible, in light of scripture, in light of their experience, and operate that way. You know, as long as you're not crushing or stamping on the doctrines, the essentials, um, I think the more graceful you live, the better off
0: we are. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's uh, that's a reform thing, isn't it? You uh, know in unity. Yeah. I was gonna yeah. say you sounded very reformed just then.
1: Yeah, it has been attributed to just about every leader. Um, this side of uh Pope Leo. <laughs> onward. onward. Um, uh, but yes, uh where it says uh in the in the essentials unity, in the non-essentials yes. liberty, but in all things charity. Yes. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I I think, and correct me if if you think I'm wrong, Sal, but one of the things that I believe is that people don't realize how complex and wide of a scope racism and racial equality and equity, um, how large of a scope that is. Because it's we we just think of it so binary, right? Like as if it's a computer program made up of zeros and ones. Zero zero one yep. one one zero 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 one one one, and black um, or white, black or white, right? And and so we think, well, we kidnapped people, we brought them to a land that they didn't belong in, we enslaved them, but eventually we let them go, and you know, made them citizens, and. Uh, you know, and and had let them have a civil rights party at the Lincoln Memorial. And, you know, like we eventually did, you know, what we, what, what we should have done. And, and so like, let's, you know, let's just move, move on from it. Right. Like, isn't that kind of like the, the attitude Um, let us just like move on from something that honestly has not, it's not ended. It's never ended. And so one of the things that people don't realize is it's it's not just that people were brought here, they were enslaved, and then we eventually did the right thing and let them go and we should just move on from it. Because what does let them go mean? Well, it meant you're no longer owned, so have fun finding your own property. Oh, by the way, you're not welcome here, you're not welcome there, you're not welcome there, you're not welcome there. You're not welcome there. Oh, you see where that sewage pit is over down there. You can put your house somewhere down on that side of things. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's what opportunities do you have in that situation? so
0: Yeah. We have none to limited opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. Um, so when we talk about systematic racism, it's so... call it systematic because it's in the system it's so widespread and we don't even realize how ingrained it is um just because of at the very least what color our skin was when we were born we had those advantages or disadvantages we didn't think about it because we had the advantages
1: so yeah no
0: you're absolutely right yeah
1: um
0: um and I think that kind of gets into when we talk about how oh, it's broken up in medicine, you know, it's in, and even the science and the people who look at how our medical system works will tell you that, you know, uh, there's an increased rate of um, when women have babies. And um, there's a higher risk of the mother uh, not surviving the infant, well, the uh, maternal immortality. Yep. yep. Um, That's much, much higher in um, women of color. Um, It's, uh, and it's because they, you know, when a a white woman says they are in pain, they believe it and they say, well, you're in this amount of of, of pain here, here's some pain medicine. But when they ask African-Americans the same question, they don't believe when they say whether or not they're in pain or, so they don't get the same amount of medicine. They don't get the same amount of pain relievers, you know, the list goes on.
1: Hmm.
0: So inherently in our medical system, it is biased toward better care. Uh, for white
1: people yeah uh yeah basically and and of course back when there was the reconstruction and back when when you know after the emancipation and after the 13th amendment and after all of that um it was you know like you had depending on where you lived depended on what kind of healthcare you got right i think by and large the doctors that existed in that time period did house calls and uh, mm-hmm. so so if you were to be a if you were to be experiencing ra- racism in terms of healthcare in that time period it was probably far more on a personal level like oh dr <laughs> lawson will you come and do my uh will you come and see my 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 mammy she's she's dying and and uh, she needs somebody to give her some something to take away the pain, you know, well, does Dr. Lawson come to the house of somebody who's of a different color or does he not? Or if he does, does he provide the same services he would to, say, somebody who... So that is the kind of racism you dealt with in, the, in those days. Um, today... Um, we don't have that. As, as we became more industrialized, as uh, medical expenses uh, became more expensive, uh, companies through labor laws and stuff like that had to provide, if you worked a certain amount, you, you had, the companies had to provide benefits so that, they, that you were getting medical coverage in essence through your company. When you're a black person growing up in a neighborhood that has zero to less than zero uh, job opportunities outside of the black market, um, how do you how do you get healthcare in an industrialized world? How do you how do you get? So your doctor may now now your doctor himself may not be racist like your doctor back in the Late, late 1800s could have been, um, your doctor may not be racist in that sense, but the system prevents you from seeing that doctor. <laughs> so the system itself is racist and, and, and the system always has been. It's just that, that uh, it's, it's more pernicious today, I think, because it's, it's hidden, you know, like it looks like we've made great progress, but we haven't.
0: Just below the surface. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just knowing that, you know, working in healthcare and having gone from working in a a hospital in the city in a minority neighborhood to working at a senior center for mostly white people. (laughs) So going from a very diverse population to a pretty um, white population um my health experience has shifted and when i was reframed to the idea of, of oh yeah most of the women who had trouble pregnant troubled pregnancies or lost babies or x y or z that i dealt with at the hospital were primarily black and brown women you know there are the women that i dealt with that were white have for the most part had healthy and safe and non painful as non painful as that can be.
1: Yeah.
0: Delivery and healthy baby. So, you know, I, I, had to be reframed to that when I heard the, the news story on the radio about it, just kind of reframed, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. My perception of healthcare changed based yeah. on where I was doing ministry. So, yeah.
1: yeah. And I think that, um, I think that people don't realize the ra- how, how, yeah you know, we, we often think like right now we're in a time where it seems like everybody in the GOP is hopping down the, um, the, the, QAnon racist white nationalist rabbit hole. So so it'd be a mistake for us today to think like, oh well, it's always been the GOP because it hasn't. It, the Democrats were once big supporters of eugenics. So, mm-hmm. so like, you know, like you look at like socialized medicine and socialized medicine, um, with the exception of FDR, because it hit at a different scale at that point, but like socialized medicine crept up with the understanding that we need to help the people who can't help themselves. And in that day and age, it was predominantly seen as being the stereotypical black person. You know, the, we need to help, we need to help the, the, the black person, you know, get ahead. And so, um, for instance take planned parenthood a dirty little secret about planned parenthood is the founder of planned parenthood was an advocate for eugenics and when they were talking about planned parent planned parenting do you think that that was directed toward white kids having babies of course not it was, so 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 the so initially this idea of we need to we need to curb the spread of the the spread of inferior races. I mean, that's, you know, like these things Mm -hmm. have that unfortunate seedy history that we have to be aware of. Um, And while it's shifted so that now we can't deny people healthcare because they're black uh, we can't do it this way. That doesn't mean that we can't creep that in some other way. I mean, like, I think we, we see the history of of this um, really kind of ebbing and flowing and evolving and growing. Um, mm-hmm. So, but it's, it's horrifying.
0: Yeah. <clears throat> and it's to see the big picture, you realize how much it's incremental yeah. changes. Right. Um Like I said, having and flowing. It's, yeah. Oh, we elected our first black president. uh, Oh, we just elected our very first woman of color, vice president. Yep. Um, Yep. You know, I like that Obama said once when he was asked that, you know, it wasn't his. He always said if he could just move the needle a little bit in Washington, Mm. he did his job as president. Yeah. It Wasn't like swoosh it over to one side. It was just like one little bit of progress. Um,
1: yeah, so. you you go big with the hopes that you move small. <laughs> hey, because yeah. moving small is better than not moving at all. Um, and you see, you, you see Biden doing that too. Like I'm gonna go big, and unless and, and and I'm gonna and I'm gonna jam it through and make it happen. Unless you want to work on it. And then that that hopefully encourages people to come back with something that is worth negotiating over. That's the idea, anyway. Um, how successful the government's been at that is It's a different different story. But yeah, it, you know, um, the the fact of the matter is is that um, the yes, there are white people. Um, my parents, even you know, like my mom only uh, ever had insurance through my dad and his, and his job. So once he lost his job, he was covered under, um, he was covered under his insurance for a certain amount of time, uh, Cobra or whatever, uh, as a part of uh, his severance package. But once that was that, that was that. And, that left my mom with the zero insurance coverage and my dad covered with the VA. So my dad had insurance coverage. Plus he was, uh, you know, he eventually became of the age for, um, you know, being a senior and and getting, you know, medic Medicare. Um, But, but the point is, is like, yeah, it's not just, it's not just racial people do like suffer. Um, no matter what, what their ethnicity is uh, when it comes to our health care. But by and large, it affects the people, people of color. It affects uh, black people. It affects Hispanics, Latinos. It affects uh, immigrants, uh, uh, even Eastern or European immigrants um, uh, in ways that, that most people are unaware of. Most people don't give thought to. So it's it's a it's it's an important aspect of of uh, of of our of our country and our society uh, that really needs looking at and changing in in order to um, make this a more socially and racially just country. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're in healthcare. So let me ask this question, Sal. If you can, if you can answer, I don't want to put you in hot water. I don't want to put you in a kettle of hot water. <laughs> uh, but oh, go ahead.
0: As I always say when people ask, as I always say when somebody says I have a question, I say, well, I might or may not have an answer.
1: That's so. right, that's right. So the question is this. Um, obviously you've you've spoke about. Your time being a um, at a you know continuing care retirement community. Now you're in a, a different situation where you're dealing with people end of end of life. Are you finding it where you are serving to still be fair, very little diversity?
0: Um, yeah, having been in that white rice, uh, very homogenous environment, um, coming out of that and into a healthcare setting that is closer, not totally closer, but closer to how I started working, uh, in CPE. Uh, in the city, in a really diverse population, I'm re, re-acknowledging some of not only my own bi-season care, but also what are built into the system. Huh. Um, you know, I have, in terms of people of color, I have more patients who are black or brown or Asian than I did in seven years at the uh, senior living facility.
1: Well, that's so, a shock. <laughs> yeah. um, would you say that the majority of y- your the people that you have served so far, granted you've only been doing this for months, um, would you say the majority of them have been white, Caucasian?
0: Or would you say it's been... Uh, pronounced? It's probably been all, about three quarters, so it's getting more balanced. But so three quarters, quarters white and white one quarter and, not. Oh no, yeah. yeah, um, and that's because I'm still covering a portion of the state that is has those pockets of diversity, but not many. <laughs> so wonder, wonder what part of the state that is.
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so uh so yeah i I was wondering that because I wonder it now, it could be that the area in which you're serving just tends to be more white, and so that's who you're dealing with but i I wonder if even in hospice care, if there's any studies out there that state that white people have more access to, say hospice. Than uh, somebody who is not white.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Um, and now there's literature um, when dealing with hospice, and you know, let's say culturally, white people are more attuned to use hospice because you know we're more likely to say, "Oh, have routine access to a doctor," so doctor might be able to sit down and talk with the patient. Say, "Well, here's." what it is, what's going to happen in the next six months or whatever, whatever the time frame is. And so then they have access to that knowledge. And I'm being very broad and right. broad strokes here, but they have the ability to make better educated choices based on their privilege. Whereas uh, in other cultures, African-American culture, Asian culture, you know there's a hesitancy to to do care because you're whether it's in the way of god or whatever reason there's a hesitancy culturally because it might seem like a failure or you haven't finished finished you know with that person so there's african-american asian and asian cultures there's that hesitancy. So, that's one of the things that we always struggle with in hospice is getting those patients to know. You know, And it almost comes, I don't want to say um, colonizing, but it comes off as like, well, right here, we're the white people. We know it's good for you. Well, Let us give it to you.
1: Right. Anyway. Yeah, no, um, that, so. that definitely. So, obviously then if we're restricting people's okay. So if we're, if we're, if we're supporting uh, people who want to further restrict access to health care, um, we have to understand that we're not only hurting, we're not only hurting those people that we don't know that we don't know. We're hurting people. We do know. um and, and, and that became very clear to me um, when it, when it affected my mom, you know, when it was going to affect um, my sister, possibly now she, she has insurance through her job, but God forbid her health declined and she couldn't um, that she would have to benefit from something like, Oh, uh, you know, what became known as Obamacare. Um, so like I, you know, I,
0: To me, like... Oh, go ahead. Well, that speaks to the idea that, you know, not only then does that racism affect the actual health care that they receive, but then it creeps into the financial because, okay, oh, dang it, these hospitals want to make a profit, and now I'm stuck with a bill. Um. Well, it seeps into the financial it, disproportionately. Um, the poorer you are, the more expensive it is to live.
1: Oh, without um, doubt. Yeah. No. Yeah. So. yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that, so that's why it's important for, you know, people who want to get rid of um, planned parenthood or people that want to get rid of this social thing or people that want to get rid of that social thing they want to get rid of it because it has no effect on them so they think but actually it does overall have when you get rid of people aiding people getting the help they need you end up with even bigger medical bills that end up end up getting still footed by by uh people you know by people through taxes because you got to pay for it somehow so this i this irony of like well we're going to get rid of things that you know uh help women maintain healthy pregnancies and not get uber sick or die unnecessarily, you know, like you want that, right? Like you don't, (laughs) like, I I don't, I've never understood how people can think like that, that isn't benefiting the whole and yet they will sell it that way. Um, But we need to be aware of that. And we need to recognize that when you, when you're, when you think it doesn't affect you think again, Because um, it does affect you. It does affect you. I mean, uh, and uh, well, we're going to end it right there uh, because, um, well, because we've got more to give you the next time in our uh, in our uh, July uh, episode. So uh, thank you for tuning in and listening to the episode for this month, for the month of June uh and listen to us uh and uh where we pick up in our uh conversation uh for the july e- uh episode in the meantime friends remember uh you can check out the episode notes you can um you can uh definitely uh click on the the links uh to the to the different things that we uh, mentioned uh that we were uh were drinking um and uh, and yeah, and then of course uh uh we look forward to seeing you the next time as always. But remember uh be excellent to each other and uh don't be a jerk. Okay? Rock on. <laughs>